Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Wildlife has been creeping into urban neighborhoods in San Diego, and our columnist Diane Bell wondered, is it happening more or are we just now noticing? She has some answers. Then a parent from Orange Glen High School reacts to the news that Coronado High School has lost its championship title for throwing tortillas. First, the news. The U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill Thursday that would fund more than $97 million in major infrastructure projects in San Diego County. California would get nearly $1 billion for transportation and infrastructure projects statewide if the measure passes through the Senate and is signed by President Joe Biden. The biggest chunk of California's proposed funding, $25 million, would go for pre-construction costs of the Central Mobility Hub in San Diego, also known as Grand Central Station. Students who failed classes during the last school year will get a second chance under a bill signed by Governor Gavin Newsom Friday. Assembly Bill 104, introduced by Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez, a Democrat from San Diego, expands options for students who fell short during the pandemic. The bill expands options to make up credits for missed courses and for grade retention where students repeat a grade level. The bill also lets students who failed at least half of their classes retake a whole grade level, and it requires schools to consult with parents who wish to hold their child back a grade. The city of San Diego launched a small business and restaurant assistance program this week to help them with pandemic recovery. Businesses and restaurants with 25 or fewer employees can get help navigating the city's planning and permitting process, thereby expediting business growth. The businesses expect to benefit retail shops, home offices, gyms, catering facilities, and hair and nail salons. Business owners can search the city's open counter business portal for more information. Throughout the pandemic, we've heard reports of wildlife returning to neighborhoods. There have been deer sightings, coyote sightings, and of course there was the time the bear and her cubs entered a Southern California backyard only to be chased off by a teenager who was protecting her dogs. Similar but less dramatic reports have happened here in San Diego, and UT columnist Diane Bell went to investigate. Diane, what initially inspired this story? Well, what inspired it was I was on my next door site and um, I saw this wonderful video of foxes that were romping around a woman's cottage yard and there were flowers and bushes and chairs and they were jumping up on the uh, patio furniture and they were jumping into hedges and just having a good time. There were four kits and then a mother fox. And then uh, later when I contacted her, I found out there was actually a male fox, we think, the father, we're not sure, of course, um, sitting on the roof uh, overlooking the whole scene. So he was kind of um, on the lookout, we think, uh, as the others were playing in the yard. And uh, the owner of the house said that they stayed for about two weeks in her yard and every day, you know, they would be out there um, learning to be foxes and presumably learning to hunt and do the things that they do. And then they moved on and she had had neighbors uh, tell her that uh, the same foxes had visited, I think it was the same family had visited next door and a couple other houses in the area. So they had apparently moved on, maybe continuing to hunt. But it's very common in talking to the wildlife experts that 
the, the foxes will seek, you know, safe places to have their dens and give birth to their babies where there are few predators. So you tend to see them obviously much more at this time of year um, in the residential areas. But this was unusual because the house was right near Wind and Sea Beach. So it was really in the beach area and quite a distance from, from you know, a habitat that you would think that a fox would really enjoy. So that's how I discovered it. And in, in, in looking at the trail of comments on Nextdoor, someone else a few blocks over showed a picture of a fox in their yard. Another one showed a picture of a fox sitting on their fence. And there just seemed to be this, this whole, and these were people in, you know, several blocks apart. So it didn't appear to be the same animals in any event. It really piqued my interest to find out more about, um, you know, are we just seeing more of these animals nowadays? Uh, are they coming closer to us because of the pandemic and nobody was out in the streets and so they feel safer coming, coming into, you know, urban and suburban areas or what? So that kind of started me on a trail of trying to interview people and who know, you know, the wildlife habitat and their habits and could tell me a little bit more about what was going on. That is so amazing. Yes, I've seen reports throughout, uh, you know, lockdown that, you know, just more animal sightings, more deer walking through lawns, things like that. But I haven't heard of a fox or any animal family moving into someone's backyard. That sounds very exciting. Um, before we get into your findings, are there any other animal sightings that have been common in the San Diego area? Well, there are a lot of coyote sightings, which um, unfortunately, those often have a negative result because there are constantly, you know, missing pet signs throughout the several communities, but especially one that's been hit particularly hard is Pacific Beach. I notice a lot of um, signs there. Santee area also has a big problem with a large coyote population. Um, and these animals just have gotten very bold. And, you know, they'll be seen in daylight, not just at nighttime. You usually think of dusk or, or, or dawn are really the times to watch out. But in these cases, um, they're coming at different times of the day in the daylight. And I spoke to a woman in, um, she's in Orange County, and she's doing a study for UC Extension. It's for their Agricultural and Natural Resources Division. They have collared 20 coyotes, and they're, um, they're in the LA area, but they're really looking at their movement and they're staying right in the suburban areas um, that are their comfort zone, if you will. Um, she says they found them in schoolyards. They found them um, just in tiny slices of land in nurseries, um, in parks. They will just, uh, you know, uh, stake out their territory and it's small and then they'll wander from there into more urban areas to get their food if you know if people are leaving their trash out and that kind of thing so yeah coyotes are a big problem because they you know of course are very fond of cats <laughs> and small dogs so that is that is the problem they have done uh, this same agency this part of the state has done a what they call their coyote coyote kosher uh, chart. And you can uh, go online and you can see where there have been sightings reported of coyotes. And there are many in the San Diego County area. They have them, they have each sighting. Um, there's three ways you can report a sighting, just seeing a coyote, uh, having a coyote threaten you, 
or actually have a, a coyote attack you or your pet. And so they each have colored dots. And when you look at this map, you see there are a number of these interactions. Both the state agencies, the um, Fish and Wildlife uh, Department, um, and of course the um, San Diego Humane Society, they have people that really specialize on urban interaction with wildlife. So they are paying a lot of attention to, you know, the interaction between the animals and and people um, and get a lot of calls about it. But yeah, coyotes, there have uh, been other sightings. There are bobcats and there are an occasional mountain lion. Um, bobcats, of course, are much more common than the mountain lion, but, uh, and of course we've got raccoons and possums and those are nothing new, but for the wildlife, we do have some, um, some sightings of, um, you know, the, the mountain lion, which surprised me that one trapper that I talked to had uh, gotten a mountain lion in La Jolla up on Mount Soledad and uh, right at the North, North PB La Jolla area about three years ago. And so he had told that story. So yeah, they're among us. We just don't see them, but we're seeing them more because everyone's using their night their nighttime cameras, and they all have these surveillance, uh, you know, motion activated cameras out there. So when you talk to the wildlife specialists, they say they've always been there. We just haven't seen them because we just weren't, we, we weren't all wired up with all this equipment that was uh, checking on what's going on in our yards at, at night and, um, you know, when no one's out there but the wildlife. Okay, so it's not the case that animals, wild animals, are coming into urban areas more necessarily. It's just that we're noticing them more. Well, that is the opinion of Rebecca Barbosa, who's the wildlife biologist uh, who specializes in urban wildlife interactions for the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. She says that's her take on it. Um, when I talk to others, of course, if you're in a drought and there is a lack of water, or if you know the, the small animals, the rodents, the usual diet is getting depleted in the natural habitat, they will come you know, down the animal trails, which tend to follow the, the creek beds and the canyons and lead into the urbanized areas. So that it's kind of a combination of both. Um, and I, I didn't see people really point to the pandemic, but um, it does seem that if there's less activity out there, fewer cars on the road, um, fewer people out in their yards, that this would tend to be an attractant too for the animals. But that's changing now, of course, because everybody is coming out and out of their homes and the pandemic luckily is winding down. And so, um, if that's a factor or not, we'll probably never know, but it well could be. You mentioned in your column, some people you know, are alarmed by this, worried about their pets, maybe their own safety. I mean, what precautions, well, first of all, should we worry, but you know, if so, what precautions should people be taking? Well, the first thing that uh, any wildlife expert will say is just do not leave water outside. It's a big attractant to the animals. Do not leave any pet food outside. They, that is just um, asking for trouble, if you will. 
Um, you can build for, for coyotes, they can jump a six foot fence. Uh, so they say at least build an eight foot fence and sometimes have a roller bar on top of that. But it's very difficult to keep coyotes out. What you need to do is keep your animals in, uh, any small pets, or if, the, if they are out, especially at dusk and dawn and those times and, and at nighttime, they should be on a leash and a short leash, a leash that you can really control because there have been reports, one not, recent, not long ago in Santee that um, a man was walking his dog uh, on a retractable leash and the coyote just came up, grabbed his dog, the leash broke because um, it had too much length to it. There was just too much play. And, and he lost his dog. So it can happen that you, you really need to have control of the leash because they are very bold. And there've been many reports of the coyotes just coming out and looking at people and not at all phased, you know, they're gonna stay there and see what's, what's in it for them. So definitely um, the food, the water, keeping the pets indoors, um, those are probably the best things that you can do. There's not, it's against the law, of course, to put out poison and you wouldn't want to do that anyway because the domestic animals would get into that. But um, there's not really much else. I've heard that there are some herbs that you can buy that have a smell that the animals don't like, but I didn't research that. It's something someone could look into and see. That might be another option. Now let's turn to opinion. The Coronado High School basketball team was stripped of its championship title this week by the California Interscholastic Federation after some players threw tortillas at the team from Orange Glen High School after a heated game. Andres Rivera is the father of an Orange Glen basketball player. In a guest commentary for the Union Tribune, he called the incident racist and humiliating and called for Coronado to lose the title. He joined me to share his reaction. Mr. Rivera, thank you so much for joining me today. My first question for you is, you know, the CIF has come out with its decision. How are you feeling? Um, it's a little bit of mixed emotions, uh, just because uh, I really think none of this should have happened. You know, I've been to hundreds and hundreds of games, you know, with three boys. And uh, after every game, no matter how bad, how heated the game is, at the end of the game, shake hands, go home, <laughs> you know? Uh, this game just got completely out of hand, but uh, to me, it looked like they, they planned it. They planned it this way. And, um, um, you know, it, it just, it, I, it looked like they were going for more than just the win, you know, they, they were going for humiliation of the team, of our team. How has the team been affected by this? Uh, you know, the boys, well, they're, they're teenagers, you know, they don't show a lot of emotions, you know, they don't want to look weak, they don't want to be made fun of, you know, but uh, the parents, you know, we feel it, you know, I'm, I, I'm a father and, you know, I don't want somebody throwing tortillas at my boy, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so Luke Cerna, the Coronado resident and former um, Coronado High School student who, who admitted to bringing the tortillas, you know, he said it wasn't racist. It was meant to be celebratory. How do you respond to that? Uh, 
it's possible. I mean, you cannot, you can't prove racism, you know, you can't see what's in somebody's heart. Um, but the act that they did was racist. You know, they're uh, throwing tortillas at the, at people of Mexican descent. That's, that's racist. Whether you meant it to be or not, it's racist. Um, you know, the, the worst part is that, that it, they planned it. You know, he asked permission. You know, he asked Coach LaPerry for permission, according to the Coronado Times article. Uh, he asked for permission, and he, he was granted permission to do it, to pass it out to a player and the cheerleaders. Um, and, um, you yeah, know, it happened. And, and they, they contradicted each other, too. You know, uh, Coach LaPerry said uh, somebody brought tortillas, and uh, it's racist, and I don't condone it. And then this guy said, oh, Coach LaPerry gave me permission. He kind of chuckled when I told him about it. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it, it just seemed like it was well-planned, you know. Uh, um, the reason I say that it's because, uh, first of all, they, they, got together, they got together, you know, they, they asked for permission to do this. And at the end of the game, you know, if, if, uh, if, the, if the players are shaking hands like they normally do after every game, it would have looked really awkward for players to be throwing tortillas when teams are shaking hands peacefully, you know. So it seemed like Coach LaPerry wanted to create a chaos. You know, he told the team to, he told our team to get the F out of here and, uh, and uh, you know, losers. Uh, and uh, he, it just created a giant chaos where they're fighting, you know, they're shouting at each other. And, um, you know, and then the tortilla started flying. So <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad. Do you think, I mean, are you satisfied with the sanctions so far? So the CIF has vacated the championship title. Coach LaPerry has, of course, been fired. Is, is there more to be done or are you satisfied with this? Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm satisfied. You know, I, I actually think uh, they did more than what I was expecting. Uh, you know, they, they have to, all the, all the teams at the high school have to take uh, uh, whatever training before they can be allowed to do uh, uh, participate in the playoffs. Uh, you know, all the coaches, uh, they have to do the same. Uh, the, the basketball team won't be allowed to do playoffs for the next two years. So, yeah, they, they came down hard, but uh, deservedly so, and just so that to assure that this is not going to be repeated again some, or something like this, and it won't be tolerated. Yeah, I know that part of the CIF sanctions is, uh, you know, that the school will take sensitivity, racial sensitivity training, essentially. And I think there was a note in there that there's some hope the two teams, the two schools will get together and try to heal. Uh, do you see that happening? Um, <laughs> I think it, it will be pretty difficult, you know, uh, the, I think... There's animosity between the players, plus a lot of the players, you know, like all of our starters are graduating already. I don't think they're interested in meeting anymore, maybe the younger guys. Uh, but um, it'll be up to the adults, I guess, you know, up to the administration in both schools and see if they can do some kind of event, you know, barbecue or something where, you know, where they can heal, 
it's yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, if if there's ever a game between the two teams again uh, in the next few years, it'll it'll be interesting to see how people react. Now, one of the responses we've heard from Coronado residents, some Coronado residents, is that both teams had some, you know, responsibility here, and that both teams have shown poor sportsmanship in some cases. Do you do you agree with that? Um, during the game, uh, there's always trash talking going on, like I said. But at the end of every game, they shake hands. You know, okay, good game. This this uh, whole incident was instigated by Coach LaPerry, and that's why he got, you know, he got uh, released from his coaching duties. I mean, he's still working as a teacher at the school. He just won't be able to coach anymore. But, um, you know, it, it was instigated by somebody. You know, I think he was trying to trying to get a response from our team where there, there's going to be fighting going on. But I was actually very proud of our team and coaches, you know, the players that everybody restrained themselves. I mean, they could have, it could have been a giant fist fight, you know, and uh, our players and coaches restrained themselves. And that's, uh, you know, that, you know, that's because of the good leadership of our head coach. You know, I mean, he was yelling at, at coach LaPerry, but he wasn't, he was yelling and telling him, Hey, you need to learn how to win with class. You know, it's not, <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, our coach is well liked, you know, by a lot of other coaches around the league. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was a terrible event, incident that should have never happened. Now that the CIF decision has been made, um, you know, what do you see? What now? You know, what is the lesson here, and and how do we move forward? Uh, the lesson is that racism is not going to be tolerated. Uh, move forward by, uh, you know, uh, putting all the high schools on notice that you cannot do this type of thing or there's going to be uh, heavy punishment. Um, it, it's like I said at the beginning, you know, this is something that should have never happened. You know, Coach LaPerry ruined the whole, his own career. And, and uh, you know, the after the game, you know, they, they were announcing there was going to be an award ceremony, you know, so he ruined that for his players too. You know, they, they were supposed to have awards being handed out to his players, his team, and none of that happened. You know, the, he, he just, he just ruined it all. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I uh, personally, you know, he he should have admitted after the game. You know, I I made a mistake. You know, emotions. You know, I got emotional and and uh, it was my fault that this happened. And he should have stepped down on his, on his own. You know, it's, you know that would have been the honorable thing to do instead of uh, being forced out. But uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes and. Uh, Hopefully, you know, we all learn from, from this incident. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a public speaker, but I've been out there, you know, writing to the CIF commissioner and writing to the, you know, doing interviews and stuff. Just, uh, I'm trying to do my little part just to end racism, you know. <laughs>
you know, you can tell from talking to me that I'm not a public speaker. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an activist. I'm just a father that uh, I want my children to be proud of me, that I'm speaking up for them and uh, I'm speaking up for our team and our community. You can find more news online at San Diego Union Tribune. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. We'll be back Monday.